0: Chapter 13 of Bert Wilson at the Wheel This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. Bert Wilson at the Wheel by J. W. Duffield Dave's Tiger Story The next night, while Dave, who had promised to tell him a tiger yarn, was pulling his thinking cap on tight, and trying to select his most fetching story, the boys gathered closer about him, and with hearts beating a little faster at the very mention of the word tiger, prepared to listen. At last Dave looked up, and in order to make his story a trifle more thrilling, gave a little talk on the bloodthirstiness of his majesty, the tiger. When he concluded, by the tense look on his hearers' faces, that the right moment had arrived, he plunged into the story of the tiger one calm evening in the summer time somewhat later than usual a gentleman stepped from the train at the railroad station in a suburban town and walked up the street towards his home deep in thoughts of business he did not notice at first that a most unusual silence pervaded the town in a short time the deadly stillness roused him and he noticed wonderingly that he was the only person to be seen on the streets not a man woman or child could he see a most unusual thing as at that time in the early evening the town was always a very lively place indeed he noticed too with amazement that the doors and windows of the houses were all closed not a face appeared at any of them all the windows that had blinds or shutters attached had them drawn tightly and fastened securely not a sign of life anywhere what had happened had everybody gone crazy amazed and frightened he hurried on up one street and down another until his own house came into view. That too was closed and shuttered. The welcoming face that had never failed to greet him was not at door or window. Now, thoroughly alarmed, he ran up the steps of the porch and wildly rang the bell. The door was opened cautiously, just a little crack, and to his great relief, the face of his wife appeared at the tiny opening. At the sight of him, the door opened wider. He was clutched by the sleeve and hurried into the house with scant ceremony before he could get his breath after this amazing treatment the door was closed and locked and double locked on the instant and the white face of his wife confronted the dazed man his dinner was ready but without waiting for him to be seated at the table his wife commenced to tell him the cause of the unusual state of affairs did he remember that the wild animal show was to have arrived in the town that day no he had not remembered but go on well it did come and while the show was in progress one of the animals a tiger had escaped from the tent and raced up main street while everyone on the street hurried to the nearest refuge at the end of main street he dashed into the woods and though the crowd of pursuing men and boys did their best to recapture him he was still at large the manager of the show told the people while they ran madly in pursuit That the tiger was a new one scarcely at all trained and by far the fiercest and most savage of all the animals in the show he warned everyone to stay closely within doors that night and assured them that as soon as daylight appeared every possible effort would be made to capture and cage him that is why everybody is barricaded within doors of course being a man he laughed at his wife's fears said there was no danger that it was extremely foolish for everyone to be so scared and that as for him he would not lose a wink of sleep worrying about it his wife noticed however that although he talked so bravely he kept closely within doors all the evening and that when they were ready to go upstairs for the night he looked with unusual care at the fastenings of all the doors and windows both upstairs and down Once, as he fastened the bolt of a window, he had stopped and grown a little white at a slight scratching noise just outside the window. Here a decided shiver ran around the camp, furtive looks were cast over hiked shoulders, and Sam, who for some minutes had been watching a moving shadow just outside the line of camp firelight, decided that the shadow was decidedly tiger-like, and wanted to know if they did not think the fire needed some more logs. "'All right, old man,' said Bob and the logs went on they blazed up brightly and gave every man jack even the bravest of them a more comfortable feeling of security and dave went on with the story in the middle of that night the man found himself suddenly awake with an intense feeling that someone or something was in the room raising himself upon one elbow he gazed searchingly about the dim room and was just about to give himself a lecture for imagining things when in the farthest and darkest corner he saw what appeared to be two great balls of green fire glaring straight at him. At once the thought of the escaped tiger leaped into his mind, and he knew that the fierce and savage beast was within his room. For a moment his heart fairly stopped beating, but gaining control of himself with an effort, he tried to think what he should do. He reached over and laid his hand softly over his wife's lips and whispered in her ear, then together they watched the two glowing points of fire wondering with sick hearts how soon the tiger would be upon them they had not long to wait for now the tiger began crawling toward them inch by inch inch by inch at this point in the story the boys utterly forgetful of the world and everything in it had crowded close about the storyteller and with flesh creeping and hair rising on their heads were listening open-mouthed to the story David paused to take breath, when every heart stood still as a fierce scratching on the bark of a nearby tree and a deep savage growling were heard. All sprang to their feet. Dick Trent was the only one who remained cool. Having seen Bert Wilson, who never lost an opportunity for a little fun and mischief, steal quietly away under cover of the darkness, he more than suspected that something was going to happen, and so was prepared. Suddenly, a a burst of ringing laughter made itself heard and there on the grass lay bert rolling over and over holding his sides and saying between gasps oh my oh my you did look so funny hold me somebody or i will go to pieces <laughs> oh my oh my at first the boys were inclined to be angry but they were good fellows and always ready to laugh at a joke even when it was on themselves and so with many a laughing threat to get even with bert and that mighty soon they came a little sheepishly back to the fire and with one accord begged dave to go on with the story well resumed dave we left the tiger creeping inch by inch inch by inch toward his two victims and feeling very sure of his capture but the man was not the one to give up his life or that of his wife without a brave effort to save them he whispered hastily to his wife be prepared here a voice interrupted to exclaim They ought to have been campers, to jump out and roll way back under the bed the instant they say, now. By this time, the tiger had come to within a few feet of them, and they could see him in the dim light, every muscle quivering, crouched for a spring. The man had slipped his feet over the side of the bed to the floor, and his hands clutched the bedclothes from underneath. As the beast sprang, the man shouted, now! Now! And at the same time flung the bedclothes over the head and body of the tiger the two terrified people used the few minutes the angry snarling beast took to get out from the tangle of bedclothes to roll as far under the bed as they could the bed was a very low one and the man knew that the tiger who was very large could not creep under without raising the bed with his shoulders so the two resolved that when he tried to get under as they knew he would They would grip the steel springs above them, and hold on like grim death, and try to hold the bed down. All too soon, they found themselves holding on to those springs with all the combined strength of their muscles. The tiger tried again and again to lift the bed, but could not get enough of his shoulders under to get a purchase, and finding himself baffled, crept away to his far corner to consider what to do. The man knew that they could not keep the tiger at bay in this way very long, their strength was nearly gone groping about desperately his hand touched his son's toolbox, pushed carelessly under the bed how thankful he was that their boy was visiting relatives at a distance he at least was safe he grasped the box as a drowning man grasps a straw and lifting a lid searched for and found a screwdriver and oh joy a few large screws working desperately and more rapidly than ever in his life before He drove a couple of the screws through the two top legs of the bed, securing them to the floor. Another two minutes, and he had one of the bottom legs in the same condition. Before he could touch the fourth leg, the tiger, angered by the noise of the screw driving, bounded forward and again tried to lift the bed. Finding he could not get at him, the tiger suddenly sprang upon the bed and began tearing at the mattress. Very soon there was nothing between him and the now almost despairing couple but the woven wire springs. These springs were of extra strong, fine quality, but even these could not hold out long against the onslaught of those terrible, powerful claws. Almost mechanically, the man again thrust his hand into the box and drew out a small saw. The idea came to him to cut a hole through the floor into the ceiling of the room below, slip through, and rush for help he spoke to his wife and found she had fainted he worked desperately faster and faster while all the time the tiger tore more and more fiercely at the tough springs his hot terrible breaths swept across their faces so close to that snarling one above them while the saliva dropped from his savage jaws almost fainting with disgust and terror the man worked on still more desperately for dear life now At last one side was finished, then another, now the third, and a little hope came back to the man's heart. If he could only finish the other side, he would have at least a slight chance of escape. But now the tough woven wire links began to give way under the tearing of the tiger's savage claws. In one place a small hole was broken in the wire. In mad haste the man tears the saw through the wood. It seems as if it would never give way. Once the saw slips and bends what if it should break one more desperate despairing effort only two more inches now only one only half an inch at last it is over and the saw drops from his nerveless hand he makes a last effort to arouse his wife but without avail he cannot bear to leave her for he fears that before he can get help in return the tiger will be upon her what can he do it is his only chance to save her he must take it the tiger as if he knew what crisis had come seized his tearing and lay above them watching with angry fire flashing from his eyes and keeping up a low savage snarling with a muttered prayer for protection for his poor wife and help for himself the man lowered himself through the opening until he found himself suspended from the ceiling of the lower room in desperate haste to go for help he is about to drop to the floor but pauses to hear if there is any sound or movement in the room above not a sound. There is comfort in that, for his poor wife must be safe as yet. But what is the tiger doing? Why is everything so deadly quiet? Incensed at the escape of one of his victims, one would suppose him to be all the more eager to secure the other, but there is no sound. What can he be doing? At this moment an awful thought comes to him. What if the cunning tiger had crept silently down the stairs into the room below? he remembers that the door into that room was open when they passed it on their way upstairs how safe they had felt then how little had they dreamed that this awful thing would come upon them could it be only a few hours since they had gone upstairs chatting cheerfully together it seemed days and days ago perhaps the tiger was at that moment crouched below him there in the darkness ready to spring upon him the moment yes even before his feet touched the ground The awful thought made him pause, and he hung there with fiercely throbbing heart, undecided what to do. If he could hear one sound of the tiger moving in the room above him, he could drop, quickly close the door, and rush away for help. Still no sound from his wife's room. What should he do? Perhaps it would be better to try to hold on until morning, when he could at least have the blessed light to aid him. It could not be long now before daybreak. Surely out of doors there must be daylight now. Soon it would come into the room and enable him to look about him. Yes, that would be the best and only thing to do, but no, he cannot. His strength is failing already. his numbed finger is slipping, slipping another moment, and the tiger will be upon him, and all will be over. He can hold on no longer. he is falling, falling, John, oh John, comes the cheerful voice from below aren't you coming down it is almost train time and breakfast is ready john sets up in bed looking with dazed eyes all around the bright room flooded with morning sunshine and it is minutes before he realizes that it is all a dream if anyone could have taken a photograph of the boys faces just before the conclusion of the story and another just after it the two pictures would have been a comic study but they could not have given a transition from faces filled with rapt, motionless, breathless interest to the astonished, somewhat disgusted look as the totally unexpected ending of the story filtered in upon them. Mr. Hollis, who had listened to the last part of the story with as much interest as the boys, thanked Dave for the pleasure he had given them, but could not keep back a smile as Shorty voiced the general sentiment. "'You ought to be ashamed, Dave Ferris, for handing us such a lemon,' End of chapter 13. Recording by phone.